Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fan podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host. My name is Carolina and I am the Connection Catalyst and the Manifestation Mentor. Today on the show, we have Anna Badila, the founder of Microdosing Guru. Welcome to the show, Anna. How are you doing? Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I love the energy. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to being with us today. Microdosing is something I absolutely love and psychedelics is like, for me, has been one of the most transformative things in my entire life. So I'm just so happy to talk to you today and to share experiences and to share with the audience what effects it can have because it's truly, truly transformative. So I'm just extra excited to talk to you about it today. But I would love to start with your journey, with the backstory of yours, how you started your journey of self-development and self-help and psychedelic journey as well because I'm guessing that it wasn't something that you started in childhood <laughs> it had to start further on in your life right although who knows some I have heard of some uh, like uh, tribes in some places in the world that even children drink ayahuasca there but you know that's a little bit extreme I guess yeah, it's a thing yeah it's a thing <laughs> But I'm guessing you haven't started since childhood. So tell us a little bit of your backstory, like how you started being interested in psychedelics. Did you have like a big spiritual awakening at some point or was it something that just showed up on your journey? I would be curious to know. Mm -hmm. All right. So talking about, you know, the, this idea that uh, my journey didn't start in childhood, I think it started before it started before I was born into this world. Um, I think my soul specifically selected this particular situation in which I can actually alchemize a lot of the things that I've been struggling with so I can use that as a source of creation. And so um, I feel like I've always been, you know, um, I've known that I don't belong where I was um, educated or where I grew up um, in Romania. And so at... At 27 years old, after, you know, a lot of things happened in my life and, uh, you know, I lost some, a dear friend of, of mine, um, I've, you know, I was very depressed. I didn't actually know why I was on this earth. I just knew that the life in Romania was not actually for me. So I decided to kind of go far away um, and just see what happens. And... I went all the way to Canada and actually today marks 11 years um, since I moved to Canada and it was interesting to kind of see this whole cycle I've been through because that was when my new life started. It was a psychedelic experience in itself because all the things that I knew about my life like social setting and support and um, ideas and beliefs were kind of being shed as I was living in, an, in another country, in another culture, in a different way of living. And uh, being there kind of allowed me to look again at who I truly am, because I feel like my whole life's journey is kind of, um, it's been uh, about finding myself, because I grew up in a place where being myself was not accepted, was not allowed to come out was not um uh, loved uh, and it didn't belong and so um my soul kind of revolted against that but my my defenses 
kind of build around being a people pleaser. And so it was this battle, continuous battle between who I truly was and who I had to, to show outside. And so I moved to Canada and I stripped away all those things. Um, but then it wasn't until, you know, five years ago when um, I was already in Canada, I had discovered Brené Brown. Um, I loved her, her work. And, you know, being trained in psychology, I was always interested in like the depths of the human soul and how it manifests into this world. And then, you know, um, in 2017, I lost my job. I lost my home. My boyfriend left the one that I was with five years and I was all alone in Canada. And I was like, terrified because for the first time in my life I was like can I actually do this by myself and I think there was this moment where I picked myself up and I did the opposite of anyone would expect so I took a break I went to Bali for two weeks kind of to gain inside or I don't know what was in my head and then when I came back I was like okay I'm gonna make this work so I started from zero looked for another job looked for another place I uh, looked for a friend to to be with because I couldn't afford being, being my, by myself and she introduced me to MDMA and for the first time in my life I could actually move my body in front of other people because as the people pleaser that I grew up to be I was always concerned about what other people would think of me. I was always always terrified to be to do something wrong because they would reject me. And so in that space I was like I felt what how it was like for that fear to melt away from my head. And I could see it as a direct result in the way I was moving. Like, I didn't feel like a piece of rock in the middle of the club, you know, <laughs> like I used to feel back in university. And so I was like, there is something here for me. And I started exploring with psychedelics and I joined the psychedelic club in Vancouver. I started doing lots of psychedelics, different kinds, different combinations, and just, you know, gained a lot of insight over my limiting belief systems, my fears, the way I operate, um, my conditioning, and all these kind of things came through journeys and uh, just integrating that back into my life, it led me to to be here where I am today. And so it, it's it wasn't just like one thing, but uh, it was accumulation of d different things that led me here. So that's how it started in in like a in a snippet. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this story. And just before we, we move forward, I just want to uh, say a little disclaimer here. Guys, be really careful with psychedelics. Take it where it's legal and just really um, be mindful how you take it and with whom you take it. And if you don't know and if you've never done it before, first look for a guide because it's a very, very responsible thing to do to try these kind of substances. So just wanted to say this before we move on, because I think it's really important to know that we are playing with the human psyche in here when we are trying these kind of substances. So it's just important to mention that be responsible about it and do it where it's safe to do it and with people that are safe to hold space for you. Um, but okay, so 
having said that, I would love to ask because some people actually don't perceive MDMA as a psychedelic. And because like psychedelic, it's a name coming from Greek language, I believe, where psyche is like a soul and mind. And then delios is like reveal, right? So it's something, the substance that reveals our soul to us. And that's how I see MDMA, for example, because like, you know, things like ayahuasca and magic mushrooms, they are perceived as psychedelics or San Pedro and so on, uh, mescaline. And, but a lot of people think that MDMA is not a psychedelic. But to me, having this kind of definition that is a substance that reveals our soul to us, it is. Because if you take it with the intention of the ceremony, right? And like connecting to your soul and connecting to, to the insights about yourself and the divinity and so on, it can be actually really powerful. And it is a psychedelic to me. So how do you perceive it? Because I think that like scientifically, if you take the definition of psychedelic from the science, not from the definition that I just mentioned, it's not really perceived as psychedelic. So what would you say about that? <laughs> I mean, we go into like, you know, uh, categorization based on chem chemicals, right? So um, if you look at um, altering substances, you have like cannabis and you have MDMA, which is an empathogen. Um, and you have, you know, Amanita muscaria, and then you have um, uh, um, magic mushrooms and DMT. And I think those are categorized based on what kind of um, neurotransmitters are being activated in your brain. And so like Amanita muscaria, for example, in, uh, modulates GABA and uh, GABA mostly and um, glutam glutamate in your brain, uh, whereas DMT and LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, it kind of changes the levels of serotonin and um, dopamine. And then you have um, MDMA, which kind of changes um, th the level of oxytocin and then serotonin in your brain and works on different areas and then kind of creates a different type of effect. And so um, the difference between MDMA and, you know, um, psilocybin mushrooms is like one is psychedelic, the other is um, can have hallucinogenic effects while the other doesn't. It's more like an, a heart opening. And so um, it's, it's a hard question to answer because like you said, um, psychedelic means soul manifesting. It comes from the Greek word and, word and um, I think any of these things will bring out more of our divine creative nature which is our soul and so um, if using mdma you can actually reduce the fears that are irrational in your in your life and you get to open yourself up to new experiences new emotions new ways of being and it makes you be more of who you truly are then I would say it is a psychedelic from that point of view, right? Like it is a mm -hmm. manifesting of the soul. It's mm -hmm. the true nature of who you are. And so, yes. um, yeah, that's how I see it. I don't want to go too much into it because I don't have the, you know, I'm not a chemist, I'm not a doctor. I don't um, know all these categorizations um, to the detail and, um, my intuition is just telling me that anything, even breath work can be altering your state of consciousness. And even that is a psychedelic because it takes you from this ordinary state of seeing reality into a different state, seeing reality 
differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. All of this create yes, and all of this create insights, which is a different understanding of how um, our life is or things around us are. Yeah, it all expands our consciousness. But you know, something you mentioned is like if you know, that magic mushrooms can be like hallucinogenic. First of all, I feel like many many of the times these are not actually hallucinations. These are actually visions. Like that's how I perceive it. Um, and vision is a different thing from hallucination because hallucination is when you see an elephant like sitting on a chair next to you where, where the elephant is not there. But if I perceive it as like a vision, it could be like a, in a different dimension of reality. There actually is an elephant or there is a thought form of an elephant that I have access to when I'm on okay, the substance, so, right? So now, so now the question is how mystical do you want to get with this? Because, you oh, know, very. <laughs> yeah because another thing that i was um contemplating over is even this idea of um mental illness and mental disability you have uh, people uh, you know children with autism that um you can actually now screen their screen or scan their brain and see um the brain waves that um are you know, happening there, um, the way the uh, brain is functioning, and then comparing it to, you know, people in different altered states of consciousness, you're like, oh, it's kind of similar. And why is this happening? And why is this normal? And this is not normal. And then again, you you do the same with like people with schizophrenia and all these other, you know, uh, um, mental illnesses. And it's like, like I was educated in uh, Rudolf Steiner's uh, paradigm. He created a whole new different educational system. And he actually talks about the fact that um, we, like even children with mental disability are um, just have a different access to a different reality. And they, they like there is a clash between this societal, norm in which we are expected to behave and show up in a different way and they cannot actually show up that way and so we kind of disregard them put them on the sidelines saying that they are not productive and yes from a survival point of view i think that uh it's not right um but I don't know, it's just such a big topic to to talk about, um, but it is interesting to think about because I've been in places where I think schizophrenic people go, right? Or I've been in places where I think that, you know, people with severe disability, um, um, mental disability um, go. And so I'm like, that doesn't make me crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, absolutely. But then I think this is, Integration is very helpful because you can take all those things and bring them back into your life into a way in which is not necessarily accepted or um, according to social standards, but it's in a way in which goes along with the standards and then also elevates the standards for creating a different world. Mm -hmm. And if you, like, I I feel like doing this work this is the opportunity to go in those dimensions and come back and work alongside this reality and enhance this reality. 
because if we act like total crazy people, then we are going to be set on the sidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. Does and for me, sense? yeah, for me, all these like labels, like autism, oh, schizophrenia, and so on, these are just labels. And to me, these people have abilities and access to different states of consciousness that normal people, quote unquote, although I don't even know what it means, normal, like norm means, you know, t- something based on the masses of people, but it's really just a uh, just a standard set up by some people and it doesn't have to be the standard that I choose to to have, right? And like, if people hear voices, for example, in some kind of mental disabilities, quote unquote, it could be as well, just they have like higher chakras much more open that they can hear and, and experience and see things that let's say, quote unquote, normal people can't, but it doesn't mean that they are abnormal. It just means that they maybe are not as much rooted in their root chakra and they don't really know how to navigate it. And then, you know, everyone thinks that they are crazy but they are actually just psychic they just have psychic abilities that are awakened and uh, for other people they are not and then what is normal in here you know I just like to I'm a little rebel so I like to just break all these like norms (laughs) quote unquote you know like what is normal like and who says what is normal like who is the one saying okay this is normal and this is not so yeah it's a big big topic that we can go into but there is also one thing that I I wanted to mention about before we before we go there though I think that um because I was thinking today exactly about this topic, like what is normal and why is this normal, normal, right? Um, but as I said, in our evolutionary uh, journey as humans, as a human species, I think we collectively agreed on what is normal. And we unconsciously or consciously bought into different belief systems that created this reality, created this normal, right? And it's not like someone said it, it was came from a need as a species for something to become normal and then those things evolved and changed over time and then again this is an opportunity for us uh, for people like us that do this work to recreate the collective agreements to recreate the new normal to break those unconscious beliefs limiting beliefs um, that are you know, um, woven woven into society, into us, and create new ones. So yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yes, I agree. Not like it's something something against us or someone against us. It's just like it just evolved over time because there was a need for it, and Mm -hmm. the need for humans or for or for any species was to survive. Mm -hmm. Yes, I I agree with you. Remember. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. That's why we are uh, talking on this podcast now to actually break the limiting beliefs about something like psychedelics, because we need to talk about it for people to know that it's not something that we need to be scared of and not something that should be actually banned from uh, using because it can help us a lot on our self-help journey and our self-spiritual evolution journey as well. But I want to come back to what you said about like MDMA versus mushrooms, because you said that MDMA is more like uplifting and just, you know, uh, more like feeling. But I had many, many different visions and sometimes like crazy stuff on MDMA. So like people would say that it's not hallucinogenic, quote unquote, or you can have visions where I'm like, no, you can. And it's hardcore sometimes what I've seen, like with my third eye, obviously, um, on on the MDMA. So to me, it is highly psychedelic because what was it? Oh, many different things depending on the experience. But 
I would see, okay, let me think. I would see myself changing in an alien or I would see myself changing in the wolf or I would see um, like tattoos on my friend's back or I would see particles of light, how they look. Or I would see with my eyes closed chakras in front of my, like with eyes closed chakras showing up in front of my um, face like this kind of like with, with eyes closed. Or I would see um, when I was inhaling the light, I would see the actually the rainbow light coming into my body and like I would see it here. Or like many different things because I've had many experiences with MDMA. It's one of my favorite substances uh, to use for self-development. And I'm also running ceremonies on MDMA and, and on psilocybin. That's why I'm like so excited to talk to you because we have similar experiences with these substances. But like I've seen so much because also I'm a seer, um, you know, I feel like there are people who feel, there are people who see, and there are people who know. And for me, the the biggest potential is to see. So uh, I know that people also who have done ceremonies with me were also having access to seeing things, um, like, you know, people's faces changing or whatever else there, uh, energies or auras or whatever, um, because, yeah, because this opened the potential. And especially if you have an intention, you direct the energy in this direction that you want to see things, then you will, uh, you know, or sometimes like people, so, you know, for example, my mom had an experience with me and she was like, oh, I'm not a seer, I'm not a seer. And then boom, she started seeing like the relationships with between people uh, and all, and it was also uh, this substance. So, like, you know, I feel like it's very open when it comes to these substances, what they can give to us. But I feel like the most important thing to mention here is like these substances only enhance what we already have inside, right? Oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, it's already within. So I think what I want to mention, and I would love to talk, talk to you about it and get your perspective on it, is that it's only showing us the perspective that we can already reach just by being more positive, just by taking about taking care about our health and just focusing, you know, on good things and doing shadow work, releasing negative emotions. Because these things like oxytocin or serotonin, we can naturally just create within ourselves. So these experiences are not for us to like need the substance. It's for us to show us, oh my God, if I have more serotonin and more dopamine, more oxytocin in my body, this is how I would feel. So then you can do everything in your everyday life to get to these states of consciousness without the substance. So that's like my perspective on it. And I'm curious about yours. Like, how do you see this? Like, you know, how much do you need these substances? Like, what are they for, at least on your journey or with, with your clients? Well, before I answer that question, I wanted to um, say that I had a powerful experience using MDMA and ketamine, actually. And to your point, um, I'm a feeler and a knower, and I do see, but not as much. However, um, the experience that I want to talk about is like feeling energies, right? And I was feeling like everything was so amplified. I was in this place with lots of people around, and then there was so much energy going on and I used my movement and my fingertips to pull in energy into me and then to amplify it and bring it outwards. And it just like, I, I realized that this energy, which is the life force basically that's surrounding us coming through all life forms, um, it's, um, um, it's within us and we are all um, turbines, right? 
and we just take in the energy through the way we uh, eat, through, through the way we uh, choose to do things, through the connections we make, through music, through um, the activities we do, through all these things, right, through psychedelics, and we just um, feed uh, ourselves with life energy that we can then put it out there and then magnetize and attract the things that we want. And it just made sense what Nikola Tesla was talking about. Like if you can see vibration and energy, then you can make sense of the world. And yeah, that's like, I think in all my experiences with psychedelics, including psilocybin and MDMA, including uh, LSD and ketamine, including um, ketamine and, and MDMA, um, for me, it was all about feeling deeply these energies and how they move and how we are all like balls of different energies that vibrate on different frequencies and how they clash or how they combine or how they, you know, um, come together, they aggregate it or they disperse. And um, yeah, I think like, what was, the, what was your question? Because now I forgot <laughs> it. <laughs> But it's all good. But I think I was, you asked what what do I what do I believe like if it's um what is um, it for in your perspective? What like for? what are psychedelics for? Um ooh. well psychedelics are for like you said, amplifying and um showing us our true potential, like who we truly are and uh, uh what the world is made of. And then when people have a challenging trip is actually being shown to them all the resistance that they are putting in the way of their own um, um, self-expression or self-actualization, right? Because I think any organism in this life comes on earth with the point of becoming the best version of itself to self-actualize until it dies, right? And so um, that's why life is never stagnant. And so um, oftentimes we are holding on to trauma, we are holding on to stories, we are creating limited beliefs, we are holding on to defense mechanisms that are preventing us from actually moving forward and um, creating more in our lives. And so um, psychedelics will amplify all the things that are within us, whether it's the resistance or whether it's the potential. And that's what they are for, basically, to show mm. us it's a mirror and it shows us exactly how we construct the reality we live in. And if we, mm -hmm. we don't like it, we can change it. But if we do like it, how can we make more of it? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. To me, I often say to people who are, you know, doing ceremonies with me that it's kind of like, you are on the ground floor and then you go upstairs, you see how the first floor looks like and you're like, oh my God, I can have this perspective. It's like, oh, it's so cool here. I can see the higher perspective on everything. And then you go back, but maybe you are one step further, one step closer to the first floor, but then you go back and you need to integrate all these perspectives that you've seen and you already know what's the aim. Like for example, for people who have never meditated in their life, psychedelics can show them what is the meditative state like how does it feel to have no thoughts like how does it feel to be connected to your soul and then if you already know what you're aiming for it's easier for you to then take steps towards the first floor but without the substance like that's what i usually say like you don't need this it's only the way shower it's only a hint it's only the um, 
indication of how you can feel like what's your potential and then with the everyday practices with journaling with meditation with shadow work with all these different things you can do you can just get closer and closer to this first flow without the substances yeah. right so like that's the i think that's yeah. a comparison i like uh, using the most uh, which i think we both agree <laughs> yeah and for for me what it was it was remember the first uh, thing with mdma like after that i was able to use movement and use ecstatic dance and mindful movements to break my belief systems and I would play music and I would just move through the feelings stuck in my body and in my mind and yeah it's just, you don't need a substance right you can use breath work if you want to you can use movement and feeling into your body um, yeah you can use meditation for me it doesn't really work to sit down still um, but um, all the other modalities really work. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so I'm curious yeah. to know, how do you microdose? Because there are different protocols people do and there are different ways of doing it. And so what is your way of microdosing? <sighs> well, I don't have my way of microdosing. I'm just like, you know, I started with um, this protocol that was one day on and one day off. Um, and Paul um, Stamets protocol, I tried, you know, intuitive microdosing. Um, but one of the ways that um, I did when I started my journey was that, like, I read about all of it. I read about all the protocols and how to choose my uh, dose and all that. And nothing really worked for me because I was expecting to use this formula and work for me. It was, I, I was like kind of outsourcing my own um, agency. But then the thing is that when I realized that I had to create a relationship with microdosing, I had to pay attention to how it feels for me and um, start um tracking my experience and collect personal data then i was like oh this is a game changer so basically what i did was the first 30 days i systematically tracked how it felt for me and then i looked at uh, the impact it had on me and extrapolated from that and i got to see how microdosing works with me in particular and from there, I just started doing other protocols, other substances, um, intuitively. Um, and now I just microdose when I know I need it. But I have so many other tools that I can use. I don't need microdosing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you microdosed, it was usually psilocybin or MDMA or both? I started with mushrooms and then eventually started um, microdosing with LSD as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, and but so it was it was not in the same period I, I oh sorry I think there is a lag <laughs> that's okay but it was not in the same period so how did you do it yes yeah, so I started with mushrooms I microdosed for 30 days with mushrooms and I chose the one day on one day off protocol for 30 days and then systematically tracked my experience and then um, I collected the data and then the third month after starting microdosing, I switched to LSD. And then and again, for one month, I microdosed with LSD and I again tracked my data and I collected it. And I kind of felt the difference between the two substances. And 
I realized that with microdosing mushrooms, I'm just more open. I'm excited to meet with people and I like talking and I like listening. And so I would use that for social settings. And then when microdosing LSD, it was the opposite. I was like in doing mode, doing my website, creating blog posts, creating presentations. And so I just chose that for a non-social setting. Mm, yeah. yeah, that was ex exactly my question I wanted to ask you. Like, what was the difference between uh, mushrooms and LSD? So you already answered before I even got to ask you. And have you ever microdosed MDMA as well? I don't microdose MDMA because of the potential neurotoxic effects. Um, mm -hmm. Unlike psilocybin mushrooms or LSD, um, it does work differently in your brain. And I think the likelihood of, you know, um, um, creating like damaging your neurons it's higher so i don't do that mm -hmm. and i don't see the benefits really yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like How about for you? me depends like i have never really microdosed i mean maybe like uh, i mean microdosing not like regularly maybe i i've taken like 0 0.05 uh, gram just to see how I feel but usually the dosages that I give to people or that I uh, do myself is like 0 0.1 0 0.15 because I've actually consulted this with one of the um, psychotherapists in uh, Australia in Melbourne um, and he said like you know 0 0.15 of gram of MDMA it's like enough and it's like it doesn't make much sense to actually take more than that and it's like not a very big dose right if you think of like people partying and they taking MDMA or ecstasy pills it's like 0 0.2 to 0 0.3 um, of MDMA, right? So like it's it's like half of what people go <laughs> to, for, of people take when they go to the raves or whatever, right? So it's really not much that you need to expand your awareness and to get the insights that you need. So you um, might say that it's a, it's actually, a mini dose. <laughs> that's very interesting because when I started um, taking MDMA, I've always taken around 100 milligrams. 0 0.1 or 120 um and i've never actually took more than 180 so i would take like the 100 and then um an hour or two hours later 60 more uh, but i never and then and then if i take anything below 90 milligrams i actually feel very anxious and it doesn't make me feel comfortable at all so my sweet spot is at 100 milligrams um and that's what i actually use for journeys with my clients i don't i don't use too much of a of a yeah yeah it also that's, depends on, that's on great size for sure with them yeah. oh yeah that's that's true so but you know it's great problem? it's great to know that you don't actually need much to to have the effects of this right because like you don't need to actually toxify your body a lot and i don't recommend taking it more than like once per three to six months <laughs> with this dose so like then your body has a lot of time to kind of like get your serotonin back to the normal level and like to kind of detoxify from everything and if you have a healthy lifestyle then your body is not actually affected by by that so yeah what my protocol would be that you, you know, we take just a little bit and then we take like a few months break at least to integrate the experience and to like learn everything that we've learned on the experience, whether it's uh, healing with energy, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, just whatever we experience on the actual ceremony, then we need to integrate into our lives. Because if we have some insights on the experience and then we do nothing about it, 
that's not the whole point of the process, right? We need to actually like take what we yeah. what we have downloaded and then implement it into our life. All these insights, all these things that we discovered about ourselves, um, then we need to, yeah, just anchor within our reality. So I would say for any kind of experience, even with, with mushrooms, like I don't, I, I did microdose uh, mushrooms as well. Um, for example, I've did, I've done like three weeks every day, like a tiny, tiny bit of that, like one twenty fourth of a gram or or two twelfth or one one twelfth, depending on on the day, for three weeks, just so that my body kind of gets used to this kind of different state of consciousness, and that was great. I felt a lot of like upliftment. I felt creativity. I felt flow. Um, that was really good. But I and I've done a microdosing actually uh, this month as well a little bit. But this month was just full of shadow work. So for me, it was more amplifying my emotions. I was also in this in this place in this vortex here in Spain where. All the people living in this house were just pretty much doing shadow work all the time. So it was a more of a amplifier of shadow work. But yeah, I, I mostly do ceremonies on like, let's say normal dosages, although I still feel like there are small dosages, just like regular um, dosages. But yeah, I also feel like not everyone needs it and not everyone is ready for it. And also I always take it in like very secluded settings never on the party, never in like around a lot of people. If I do it with people, um, when I guide it, I do it one-on-one -on -one because to me, like I want to be fully present for this person when they are going through something. And so only one-on-one, -on -one. if I had like one helper, then I could do maybe two people. But I really believe that sometimes we go into places that we need like a massive space holding. So I don't really resonate with like some people do, some shamans do like, 10 people or like 80 people in the on the ceremony. I'm not really a big fan of these kind of uh, ceremonies because I just feel like we, sometimes we need support and we need presence. And although I want to trust the divine flow and that everything is going to be fine and the substances will guide us where we need to go, I am personally not really a big fan of doing this. So it's always secluded, always at home where we create space. We, we smudge the whole place. We put some music on. We just really create set and settings to be safe and to even if some shadows come up, then we're just like grounded and okay. And I'm fully there for someone. And I never take anything when I'm guiding these uh, journeys for someone because I want to be fully grounded and there for, for people. So um, yeah, that's pretty much how, how I do it. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, would you, do you, do you resonate with what I'm saying? Like that you need it rarely and you don't actually really need to do this very often. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I think there are periods like there was, um, when I started, there were periods of exploration just to see what's the, the potential with psychedelics. And so I was doing it a lot more often. Um, but um, lately, I think I've had probably, I don't know, three maybe ceremonies a year or even less mm -hmm. than that. Um, because nowadays, for some reason, it feels like I'm I have access to those those insights and those worlds a lot easier and I don't actually need it. And so yes. um yeah, like every every day there is something that comes into my awareness that I need to integrate. And so uh, if I if I would, you know, do even more psychedelics then it would just kind of take me out of this reality and I really want to stay grounded and I want to integrate and make sure that as I said I'm contributing to this reality in which I'm like helping raise the different, the vibrational level and um, 
break some of the collective conscious and I can't do that if I'm like always out there right mm -hmm. so um yeah I just intuitive very intuitive I did have a journey um last last week um with you know MDMA and ketamine and that was exactly what I needed for this moment in time but before that I haven't had one in like a few months so yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly the same for me. I don't even remember when it was the last time because, yeah, it's not needed anymore as much. So now it's only about guiding it for someone else who hasn't experienced it. And so I would have one last little question to you. If people would like yeah. to see your content and see what you're up to and follow you more, what is the best way to find you and what kind of services do you offer currently? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm on Instagram at microdosinguru. Um, and on my website with the same URL, but um, I do have an online course, and this is for mastering your mindset as well as mastering my uh, microdosing. And I wanted to offer something different than what's out there because um, you know, microdosing is great, but first of all, you have to apply it to your own situation within a certain set and setting with a certain intention. And so with this program, you are actually learning how to microdose for what you actually need. So it takes you through learning about microdosing and then focusing your attention in one area you want to work on and kind of breaking the belief systems and the habits and the, um, the things that keep you in this reality um, that you don't want to be part of. And so um, it's using microdosing to break those break those and kind of come back to self and create from there. Um, mm. So I think I've done this uh, like this course with a few cohorts now live, uh, but because it was like every day I was meeting with them and going through this uh, process, um, and I was also traveling, I decided to put it online. So I took all the things that you know people loved and put it into this online course. So that's also my website amazing thank you so much thanks for your wisdom and for everything that you've shared i'm sure we've inspired some of the listeners to uh, try it but remember guys do it safely do it with guidance because it's actually really important to be responsible about these topics so thank you so much i'm really really grateful for you uh, anna it's been really a pleasure to talk to you and uh, yeah looking forward to talking more in the future <laughs> thank you carolina and um yeah i'm i'm so excited to be here and thank you for uh, reaching out and connecting yeah. thank you my beautiful people for listening to us being with us or watching us and if you want to know more about microdosing or psilocybin or MDMA or just psychedelics in general, you can contact me on theconnectioncatalyst at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at theconnectioncatalyst. Um, that is not my main account, but you'll find me there for sure. You can text me there. Or if you need an emotional release session or you feel like you struggle with some limiting beliefs, also shoot me a message and I'm sure I can help you with that. I'm sending you massive love and gratitude for listening to this podcast. It really um, keeps my heart open and gets me going that you're here with us. So thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful day.